Hello, welcome to the Field of Screams podcast. This is Tyler Singleton. We're going to be talking about the divisive scary movie Skinner Marink. This movie was directed by Kyle Ball on a budget of $15,000 and ended up making $2.1 million in the box office. Before making this movie, Kyle Ball ran a YouTube account called Bite Sized Horrors where he would ask viewers to post comments about their nightmares and then he would try to recreate those nightmares and share them on YouTube. Ball ended up making a short concept film named Heck, which is basically a slimmed down version of Skinner Marink. Now, while this film was in theaters, I had heard that this film was quite scary, but then I kind of looked up a few reviews, I avoided spoilers, and people were either A, extremely hyped about this film and thought it was one of the best films they've seen in a while, or B, they said it was complete crap, so I was pretty interested. I was over at a friend's house one night, and I told them that I had heard that Skinner Rink was pretty good, and I said either A, people really liked it, or B, people hated it. So we looked around to see if we could find it, and we found it on Voodoo, so we had to pay to watch it. My friend offered to pay, so he did, and the movie is an hour and 40 minutes long. As we're watching it, I realize we are about an hour in, and not a lot has happened. And I just kind of looked over and I apologized to my friend for making him pay to watch this movie. It was very boring. We decided to watch the rest of the movie to see if anything else happened that stuck out. And we weren't entirely impressed. By not impressed, I mean I was actually quite aggravated with the film. I didn't understand how people could rank it so high. The film's main characters consisted of a four-year-old and a six-year-old and the dialogue consisted of 500 words total. The scenes in this movie were lit by CRT television and LED light. We never see the children's faces in the movie. Many of the shots were long and lingered on the wall or the television showing a cartoon or maybe one of the child's toys. It was a very, 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 very slow film. Now, when I say a slow film, you might be thinking, ooh, I really enjoy slow burn horror films. You might be thinking of films like Hereditary, or It Follows, or It Comes at Night, or Rosemary's Baby, or The Omen. You know, any of those slow burn films. And let me tell you, those films move like a Ferrari compared to Skinnamarink. This film is slow. Many people that I have talked to who have enjoyed this film have described it as a vibe film. I ended up going to bed aggravated that night because we chose to watch this movie, but then the next day after I slept it off, I began to try to connect the pieces and figure out what was so good, what, what made people enjoy this film so much. So what I'm going to try to do for this review is try to paint the picture of what the film represented and make a case for those who really enjoy this film. Now, while I talk about this film, it's going to have spoilers, so if you want to give it a shot, go ahead. But if you are expecting, again, a Rosemary's Baby, you are going to be disappointed. So the film opens up with four-year-old Kevin, who has an accident. I think it's described as a sleepwalking accident. But we get a phone call. It's the dad calling someone, probably the mom, who's away, she's not around in the house anymore, and he is stating that Kevin had an accident, he took him to the hospital, he didn't need stitches, he just hit his head. 
And then it cuts to later, to which Kevin wakes up in the middle of the night, and his dad is no longer home. Kevin is now home alone with his six-year-old sister named Kaylee. Kevin and Kaylee, they have some dialogue to where they're asking where dad's at. Kevin asks Kaylee, do you think dad went where mom's at? And Kaylee says, I don't want to talk about mom. What follows next is doors and windows and toilets and other objects in the house start to disappear randomly. While this is happening, there's long static shots again of just them staring at the wall, staring at toys. Sometimes I think it's their point of view, but other times I think the camera's just aimed there. And then you can sometimes hear dialogue between the two of them, but again, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's 500 words total for this film. So a lot of it is just silent scenes of you staring at a toy, or a wall, or a fan, or whatever. Whatever object it's focused on, in a very poor lit house. Again, when I say slow, I'm not trying to just rag on this film. It, if you are expecting something fast-paced, this film is not for you. Kevin and Kaylee decide to go downstairs in the living room, get blankets and pillows, and they have their TV on, and they're watching cartoons trying to calm themselves down so they can go to sleep. While they are watching TV, they hear thumps upstairs, and they hear weird noises. A mysterious voice calls Kaylee upstairs, to which she follows. Kevin stays downstairs. Kaylee walks into her parents' room and sees her dad. Her dad instructs her to look under the bed. So we get a point of view shot of her looking under the bed. When she comes back up, her dad's no longer there and it's her mom. Her mom then says that she loves Kaylee and Kevin very much and then tells her to close her eyes. She does this and when she opens them, her mom vanishes. And then you hear her mom say, someone's here. We then hear her mom call out Kaylee's name as she moans in pain as if someone is hurting her. Kaylee goes downstairs. Kevin asks her what happens, and all she responds with is, we need to move this couch in front of the stairway. They both move the couch. Kevin then goes to sleep, and when he wakes up, Kaylee is no longer around. He wanders around the house looking for Kaylee, and soon he finds her. The only problem, though, is she doesn't have eyes or a mouth. The voice now starts calling for Kevin. The voice tells Kevin that it wants to play, and it instructs Kevin to stick a knife into his eye, which he does. After he does this, he picks up the phone, the phone to call 911. He talks to the operator, and he's telling her that he's hurt and he feels sick. And she asks him, why is he whispering? Is someone else in the room with you? And soon he drops the phone, then he looks down and the phone turns into a toy. The mysterious voice then tells Kevin that it can do many things and that it needs to that Kevin needs to listen to it, or else he would end up like his sister. His sister didn't listen, and that's why she's missing her eyes and her mouth. The voice then instructs Kevin to go upstairs and go into his bedroom, to which he does. While he's doing this, there's toys that are on the ceiling. And the room kind of becomes like a void. And then text appears on the screen that says 572 days. We see a female figure kind of pop up in the room. Then her face and her body disappear. We see other people with like their face kind of just faded or messed up. 
And then it gets to a scene to where blood kind of just splatters out and Kevin yells in pain. Um, it seems like it reverses and then blood splatters again. Kevin yells for his mom. And this happens a few times where like it just seems like blood shoots out, it rewinds, it shoots out again. And I thought at this moment that Kevin died. But then the final scene is Kevin sitting in his bed and he sees this lady sitting above him and she tells him to go to sleep and Kevin asks her what her name is and he gets no answer and then the film ends. Now I just highlighted the major points of the film. Keep in mind this is an hour and 40 minute movie and I just explained the film in probably less than five minutes. Again not, not a lot happens so when it does, you have to pay attention and try to follow along with what's going along. When I first watched it, I took everything at face value. I was like, okay, these kids are home alone, their dad's missing, and this cosmic entity is haunting them, hunting them, How, whatever word you want to describe what's going on. As I reflected on the movie the next day, I, I kind of got another theory that I think matches up pretty well with what happened in the film. So the theory that I like that goes with how this movie's filmed and the sequence of events is in the very beginning when Kevin's dad is on the phone talking about Kevin having a head injury. He report he tells whoever's on the phone that it's not that serious of an injury and that he didn't even need stitches. But the theory is that it was a pretty bad tumble that Kevin took. He hit his head pretty hard. After he hit his head, he begins to see things disappear. All this is happening in his head. The voices he hears at night are the voices of his parents. We get some evidence that the parents didn't always get along. The sister saying she didn't want to talk about mom. The mom moaning in pain as if someone's hurting her. The dad was probably abusive. And this is all just reflecting into Kevin's brain after the injury. Keep in mind this is in a perspective of a four-year-old. If something is ha if something wrong is happening cognitively, a four-year-old isn't going to know that. You know, the world's a big place when you're four years old. Your house is a big place when you're four years old. So if you start to see things wrong, if you think you see things on the ceiling, you take it for what it is. If we see that when we're adults, we immediately know something's wrong, something's off, something's wrong with what I'm seeing. Kevin doesn't really see it as that. He sees it as weird, but he goes along with it because he's four years old. The mysterious, ominous voice that he hears if his parents' relationship is in turmoil, I'm guessing there's lots of arguing, it probably comes off as scary. So... Every time he hears this voice, whether it's calling him or his sister upstairs, you know, this could probably be the voice of one of his parents telling them to come upstairs. Kaylee goes upstairs and sees some spooky stuff, but it's probably Kevin just imagining it in his own head of what happened. The scene where Kevin puts a knife into his eye because the voice instructs him to, when you have head trauma, it can result into a stabbing pain in your eyes. So maybe that is just a metaphor or how Kevin sees it to which his eye has a stabbing pain in. The very end of the film, when he goes upstairs and it turns into this long, long hallway and toys are on the ceiling and his room turns into this void where faces just 
aren't showing up and they're disfigured. I think this is his head trauma kind of taking its final toll before he passes away. The final figure that we see that appears as a female, I'm guessing is probably his mom sitting by the bed. And while he's in pain and not doing well, they tell him to go to sleep, to which he passes away. Now, this theory, the director never came out and said this is what's going on. It's just kind of putting pieces together. I think it makes more sense viewing the film this way. And I think if you watched it as a monster film, maybe if you see it this way, you might be like, oh yeah, maybe that's what's going on. And maybe it can make it a little better movie for you. The film is rather vague in all of its details, so it's kind of up to your interpretation of what happened. After taking the film in this way, I would say I appreciate the film a little more. Do I like the film? No. I'll never watch this film again. But again, I'm just trying to paint the picture as to why people might like it. Why they enjoy it so much. The atmosphere of it. How dark the film is. A lot of people think it's nostalgic and the ways that they remember their household at night when the TV's lighting up the living room. It's an atmosphere they are familiar with. Again, when people rate this movie, usually it is either a 5 out of 5 or a 0 out of 5. They either love it or they hate it. So no matter how you feel towards the film, that's up to you. But this completes my review of Skinner Marink. For those that are listening, I appreciate you tuning in and hope you enjoyed listening. Feel free to follow Field of Screams podcast on social media, and I'll see you next time.